Let's get some coffee. This is the Overland Voice. You know, there are different measures employed there than from where we come from. We come from Florida. And so when we say, you know, we just spent the last eight weeks in Florida and, or in the U.S., and then we go back and we have apéro with our friends, they say, how was Florida? And we say, whoa, it was really hot. And they were like, really? Yeah, it was like 100 degrees every day. And they're like, oh, how is, how is it possible that you're even sitting here? Because we're thinking Fahrenheit, and they're thinking Celsius. And the boiling point of water is 100 degrees Celsius. And they're like, this is... And then we lead them in the salvation prayer, and it's amazing. You've seen the miracle, now let's pray. But there are different measures. And as far as that measure goes, 100 degrees in Fahrenheit and 100 degrees in Celsius is the difference between life and death, quite literally. And so the, what we're measuring ourselves with, what we're allowing other people to measure us with, these are important things. And not every measuring cup is the same size. But what is true about a measure... Well, it's this. The world's measure is not sufficient for us. And the world's, lo world's logic, you'll hear something to the effect of, and I'll, I'll make it very simple, there are only so many beans in the pot. There are only so many beans in the pot. And so what happens when there are only so many beans in the pot? You get worried about using or losing all your beans. And that means that you have to budget your beans. That means that you have to uh, keep some, you have to pace them so that you'll have some in reserve. You can't pour it all out because maybe there will be none left. Uh, it's the same with creativity as a songwriter. I get a good chorus and I don't wanna subject my good chorus to a mediocre verse because I'm worried that the next, that I'm, that's my last good chorus. And I have to make this chorus count. There are only so many beans in the pot. That's the world's logic. You also hear it a lot. If you're in your MPD phase and you're going to present your, your make your pitch, make your whatever it's called, an MPD, your ask, to a missions department at a church. You may encounter this. Just let me pre-warn you. A lot of people have this philosophy that there are only so many beans in the pot. And so they have to very carefully dissect the beans to make sure that there's enough for each little person. So what I'm saying is you're going to encounter this in your creative life. You're going to encounter this in your, in your ministry life. This is the logic of the world. There are only so many beans in the pot. But this is not the logic of the kingdom. And what I want to highlight for you is what Adam said, what Nick said, and what Jake Magnus said. And then we also heard it today from the Finneys and their team. The world's logic says, even in religion, in the religious world, the Sadducees and the Pharisees that are trying to tell us these things in our regions, you can't do that. We were told we couldn't do that, and then we did it. We were told we couldn't go there, and then we showed up, right? You've heard this. And to me, that's the thing that's been popping out the most message-wise from the, from the presentations that you guys have made. You are operating with a different measure than the world. And for those of you who don't have that as your testimony yet, let this be an encouragement, not a comparison. This is an encouragement. We operate with a different measuring cup. So there's some examples, right? Here's some excuses that we give ourselves when we're measuring the way that the world measures. First one is there's not enough help. Okay? So for that one, I would like to point you to Judges chapter 6 and 7. It's the story of Gideon. 
And I'm gonna, I'm gonna, I only have like 42 scriptures. And the funny thing is, I'm not joking. So turn there, if you will, because there's just a, some, a couple things I want to point out in Judges 6. Verse 11, it says, the angel of the Lord came and sat down under the oak in Oprah. Seriously? Just joking. It's probably not pronounced that way. But I was like, there she goes, man. That's where she got her name. That, long to jo- <laughs> that belonged to Joash, the, that guy, where his son Gideon was threshing wheat in a wine press to keep it from the Midianites. When the angel of the Lord appeared to Gideon, he said, the Lord is with you, mighty warrior. Okay, so all the... Already we see that there's a different measuring cup involved here because Gideon is hiding in the wine press, threshing grain, and then the angel of the Lord comes to him with probably calling, calling him something that he had never even allowed himself to call himself before. The Lord is with you, mighty warrior. Oh, me, the one hiding in the wine press, threshing the grain. So what is his response? The same that is our response so many times when we feel like we've been misidentified? But sir, (laughs) but sir, Gideon replied, if the Lord is with us, why has all this happened to us? Where are all his wonders that our fathers told us about when they said, did not the Lord bring us out of Egypt? But now the Lord has abandoned us and put us into the hand of Midian. The Lord turned to him, the Lord turned to him and said, go in the strength you have and save Israel. I mean, that echoes the message last night to the T, doesn't it? You can't give away what you don't have. What does Gideon have? He has the strength of the Lord. He didn't even realize it, right? Save Israel out of Midian's hand. I am I not sending you? That measuring cup is equal for all of us. Is he not the one sending you? But Lord, Gideon said, he's not, or Gideon asked, how can I save Israel? My clan is the weakest. Again, but my other measuring cup says this. There are only so many beans in my pot. I can thresh grain in the wine press, but I come from a weak clan. The Lord answered, I will be with you and you will strike down all the Midianites together. Okay, that's impossible, because it goes on to say that the, the number of Midianites and their camels, I believe, could not be counted. And it's not because these people were poor at math. They couldn't be counted. They were as an immense enemy, not able to be numbered. And so Gideon, you know this story. If you don't, go read it. I don't take for granted that you all read the Bible, but I hope you do. Go read this story. Go read the story and see how the Lord whittles down the number of fighting men down to 300 fighting men against a force that is not able to be counted. Okay, that's a different measuring cup because we would look at that with our logic and say, there aren't enough beans in the pot to accomplish this. But the Lord looks at it and says, there are, it doesn't matter how many beans are in the pot. And in fact, let's just do away with the numbers game right now. You thought you had thousands. Now you have 300. But I'm going to give you a strategy that is going to allow you to do the impossible. They say it can't be done, but we do it. Man, I love that. So you know that story. You know how that finishes off. God gives him a strategy to put torches under jars 
and hold those with one hand and hold a trumpet with another hand and he splits the 300 into three groups of 100 and they surround in the surrounding hills the camp of the Midianites and at the right moment when Gideon decides it's time, they all break the pots and so all of a sudden there's forces all around and they make a noise and it sends confusion into the camp of the enemy which is often what our praise in those situations does because it's unexpected because of the enemy's measuring cup. Confuses the enemy and they achieve complete and total victory. And I need better. There we go. So there's your excuse. Uh, or there's your answer for the excuse that there's not enough help. Okay? We check that one off. Okay, number two, there's not enough time to accomplish all that we're supposed to accomplish. That's what I think of when I hear of the testimonies of you guys, and I think, how many decades is it going to take us chipping away <laughs> at a concrete wall with a toothpick? How many decades is it going to take us to accomplish what you're accomplishing since I was here last year? These are the thoughts. And if you think you don't have thoughts like this, you're telling me stories. There's not enough time. So to that, I want to point you to Joshua chapter 10, Verse 13 through 14. Let's go there right now because the Lord has a way of handling time discrepancies. And it's not something that we can wrap our minds around. Did you ever hear that story about the, the day that time stood still? This happened. It's not just like a, a Hollywood plot or something like that. So the subtitle in chapter 10 of Joshua in my Bible says, The sun stands still. And just in verse 13, well, basically, there were five kings coming out against Gibeon. And five nations coming against one, and that nation reaches out to Joshua for some help, and Joshua says, okay, and Joshua marches his forces through the night to surprise the coalition of the enemy, and it was going to take some time. And so in verse 13, it says, so the sun stood still, and the moon stopped, till the nation avenged itself on its enemies. So you think you don't have the time. That is a, as an earthly measuring cup that you're measuring with. Because what I just read here was for the nation to avenge itself on its enemies. God made the sun stand still and he made the moon stand still. And then it goes on to say the sun stopped in the middle of the sky and delayed going down about a full day. There has never been a day like it before or since. A day when the Lord listened to a man. Surely the Lord was fighting for Israel. Exclamation point. My job here before lunch today is to fire you up. And if that story doesn't fire you up, I don't know what will. Because that's crazy. That's crazy. There wasn't enough time to accomplish it. So what did God do? He made more time for the first time ever. And it's never happened since. He listened to a man and overcame science. Overcame science. And you know, science is the hardest thing for some of us, especially this younger generation. Science is what separates us from full commitment to a belief in something that we can't quite understand. But I would like to propose that if you're married or you long to be married, then that excuse doesn't hold any weight because who could ever comprehend the mind of a woman? But yet we jump into that commitment wholeheartedly. Am I right? <laughs> Okay, straighten up, guys. Finally, <laughs> you might have a third excuse. There's not enough provision. 
Yep. Yep. There's not enough provision. I don't have the money to do it. Uh, I can't, I can't have kids. I don't have the money. Trust me. It'll be more expensive. You'll never have enough money. I don't have the money. I can't get married. I don't have the money. I can't make this leap to buy this property. I don't have the money to establish this base. I don't have the money to do this. I don't have the money to do that. We all have this. Yeah. Do it anyway. We've all walked through this. Some of us are on the other side of it. And I'm happy to say that I was not on the other side of it for a long time. And now I'm on the other side of it. Uh, what, what brought that transition about, uh, about was probably just doing it and just seeing the faithfulness of God. Amen. If you have to take small steps, take small steps. If you feel like taking a big step like Andre did, take a big step. Man, he's faithful no matter what. Just watch your measuring cup. So the scripture that I want to use to give an example for that it's actually two. It's in 1 Kings 17 and 2 Kings 4. There are two stories, one with Elijah, one with Elijah, about widows with oil. And in the first one, it's Elijah. And Elijah's in the middle of this roller coaster that he's lived through. And I talked about it last September when I was here. The, the different waypoints on his journey from where he was to where he got to be. Uh, and it was like a high point and a low point. God gave him a word for the king, which is a high point. Then he had to run for his life, low point. God fed him with ravens, high point. God sent him to a widow with nothing, low point. God provided, high point. Widow's son died, low point. Elijah raised him from the dead, high point. You know, it's like this trajectory right here. So you think that this is not normal for you? It's normal. This is life. But God is faithful through every situation and every scenario. So in the first example, Elijah comes and he says, ma'am, uh, can you give me some water? Elijah sent him there. She knew he was coming, apparently. She says, yes, I can give you some water. Like, they'd be like, can you give me 10 kwacha? Oh, for sure, I can do that. Okay, can you, hey, before you go, would you also mind giving me some food? And so that was her trigger. That was her, there are only so many beans in the pot moment. Oh, but you have to understand, if I, I only have enough ingredients to make enough oil and whatever else it was. I'm no cook. I'm a musician. I only have enough oil to make just one more piece of bread that my son and I can eat before we die. Well, that'll suffice. <laughs> that was Elijah's response. Sounds good to me. <laughs> and then he makes her a promise. Do this for me. And the oil will not run out until God says it will, or until God brings the end to the famine. And so what does she do? She sets her measuring cup aside. Did she understand? Did she see how that would work out? No. But she set her measuring cup aside, and she picked up another measuring cup. And with that measuring cup, there was always enough. There were always enough beans in the pot. There was always enough oil, and they lived. They survived. Thanks for listening. Join us again right here for Coffee and the Overland Voice. Check, please.